Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Today's guests are Jessica Bolhofer, Global Product Manager at JLL, and Lisa Conway, Vice President of Sustainability Americas for Interface, who will be speaking on the impact of embodied carbon on the road to net zero. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Jim Rice with JLL out of the Atlanta office. Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm here to introduce the next topic, uh, the impact of embodied carbon on the road to net zero. Uh, when we talk about a future that is net zero, we are often talking about energy efficiency, alternative energy, and plug loads. But there's another and equally important carbon impact associated with the building and construction sector, and that's embodied carbon. Just three materials used in much of the building and construction sector, including steel, concrete, and aluminum, represent 23% of the total world's CO2. Today's discussion will be about what that embodied carbon is, the impact it has on our net zero future, and what you can do to minimize that impact. Speaking on this is uh, Jessica Balaver, Global Product Manager for JLL, one of my peers. She's a sustainability and real estate leader with more than 15 years of experience designing sustainability solutions that cut across business sustainability in the built environment. She's leading the sustainability consulting for our group and she focuses on the design and implementation of industry-leading sustainability consulting services like climate risk and net zero carbon strategy. Lisa Conway, Vice President of Sustainability Americas in the, with Interface. Uh, she's Vice President of Sustainability Americas, uh, the global flooring manufacturer that is leading industry to love the world. She and her team are responsible for regional activation of the company's mission, Climate Take Back. She's passionate about bringing awareness to the interconnectedness of environmental sustainability and human health. Um, so I'm going to cut that a little bit short just because we've got to get going. So thank you, and I turn it over to you two. Well, I'm incredibly honored to be here today, but also joined by Lisa, who's basically a celebrity in the embodied carbon space, if you didn't know. So um, incredibly excited. But this is also one of my favorite topics to discuss because there are some moments when you can really blow people away pretty quickly with some sort of immediate graphs, and this is absolutely the place to do it. Um, so today, I'm actually going to start by talking a little bit about what embodied carbon is, and then I'm going to hand it over to Lisa to talk a little bit more about what that means for organizations and actually what we can do to, to mitigate it. So first, the concept of what is embodied carbon. Um, this is one of my favorite graphs because it's quite dramatic, right? You immediately know that something's sort of, there's some sort of a dichotomy between these two. So essentially what this is telling us at this moment here is that we're not really gonna go into a ton of detail on the IPCC report, but essentially this is a climate change problem. That's essentially what we're talking about overall. And so in order to stabilize our climate today, we must stay below two degrees of warming. That's essentially the discussion. And we could spend an entire hour here just talking about the impacts of climate change and what they mean. But essentially what we're here today to say is it's an, it's an important issue and that's what we're here today. But Specific to what we're looking at here, the idea that, that, that uh, the emissions of overall of real estate has a really important impact to play, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, is these two different categories, building operations at 10% and embodied carbon at 90%. So what is embodied carbon? So essentially what we want to talk about here is why that is so impactful and what embodied carbon is. So when you think about the entire life cycle of a building, there are two different ways in which we actually measure or talk about carbon in buildings. 
The embodied carbon is what happens at the very beginning of how buildings are actually constructed. So this is the manufacturing, the transportation, and the actual building materials that go into the creation of a building itself. The second aspect is what people normally think of when they talk about operational carbon. This is the emissions from the building's actual energy consumption. So when you think about your utility bills, that's what's happening in part two. But we don't really talk about what's happening in part one, and it is significant in comparison to the impacts of part two. So what embodied carbon looks like is if you were looking at every aspect of the specific building life cycle, right from the beginning of raw material extraction, transportation to a factory, manufacturing of products, et cetera, all through the landfill, the operating of a building is only one small aspect of it. So we're really not thinking about the entire life cycle when we talk about my global you know, greenhouse gas emissions for scope one and two is blank. It really hasn't taken into consideration the entire picture from a real estate perspective. So, and I actually borrowed these slides from Interface because they're fabulous. This actually talks about impact. And one way that's my favorite to talk about this is a lot of people ask about the impact of recycling and whether or not it's worth recycling. Because I know there's lots of conversations about whether things are really recycled. But the impact of recycling is actually the fact that you do not need to utilize new raw materials in creating an item. And when you see here on this graph, 53% of, of the impact of the overall of, of an item is actually in the initial raw extraction of the materials. So when something is being created, you really need to think about every aspect of its utilization from installation and maintenance, landfill, even transportation. And transportation honestly gets a really bad rep sometimes, but again, it's the initial creation of an item. So if you can actually minimize and reuse something, that's why furniture reuse is one of our favorite topics to discuss, there's a huge impact on not having something had to be created in the first place. And that's really the embodied carbon piece. So the world's building stock is actually estimated to double by 2060. That's an equivalent of adding a New York City to the planet every single month for the next 40 years. That is dramatic. And what that basically means is the built environment itself over here on the right, we actually account for 40% of global greenhouse gas emissions just in the real estate sector itself. Embodied carbon, that 11% in there, is 11% of all GHG emissions in the world. And as we talked about earlier, that's really steel, aluminum, and concrete. That's a huge component of it. And so one of the things that actually Lisa spends her, her life doing is educating on this topic so that people really start to understand the impact and make decisions based on that embodied, embodied carbon in addition to operational carbon. So um, essentially what we're looking at here is it's not just when the building is built in its first instance but it's also what happens every single time you make any kind of upgrade. So we actually just a couple of minutes ago were presenting on net zero carbon and sort of the overall impact in the real estate sector. And what's really interesting to, to think about is we talk a lot about the idea of retrofitting everything to sort of meet these net zero standards. But when you're changing something, there's always an embodied carbon aspect of it that needs to be taken into consideration. And anytime you would have some sort of a tenant build out or an MEP upgrade, there's always that concept of embodied carbon that's actually a part of that, that needs to be a part of the conversation that a lot of times isn't when you're thinking about the overall impact. 
So I'm actually going to hand it right over to, to Lisa, who's going to talk us through some of the impacts of embodied carbon, um, but then also what her organization is doing about it. Thank you. She has already made me sound like a total freak that this is all that I talk about. I do have a tattoo, so I actually do take it too far um, that says carbon. So <laughs> I know, psycho. Um, Okay, so the impact of embodied carbon. One of the things I will say um, that excites me most about this topic is that you don't have to spend more money to address it. Basically, what you want to do is assess the carbon footprint of anything that's going to be bought right alongside um, the cost. So cost in dollars, you know, obviously there's other criteria. You want to make sure that you um, have the right lead time, you know, availability, aesthetics, all of those things but just also embodied carbon to just kind of come along with it. So um, on this slide, we're really understanding where does real estate come into play? So Jessel already mentioned 39% um, that is tied to buildings. Now, yes, we wanna lower this, but actually the moonshot in my mind is not just measuring how much less of the problem um, buildings can be, but actually start making them part of the solution to reversing global warming. So um, part of my job is really to kind of put that moonshot out there because I think that if we're thinking in terms of 5% year over year reduction, 10% year over year reduction, that doesn't get anybody out of bed in the morning. It also doesn't, um, it doesn't lead to material benefits down the road. We need to be in a totally different frame of mind in terms of how can the work that we do in the real estate sector actually positively contribute and um, be restorative in the world. So as she mentioned, um, the core and shell is those three major materials. Operational carbon is a larger piece of the pie, but I think we all already know how to think about operational carbon. And I know that when I started learning about embodied carbon, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was actually mad. Like, why hasn't this been a conversation until now? It's gained a lot of traction in the last, I would say, 18 to 24 months. I even see a thumbs up here. Um, and the reason that this really can matter for real estate is this is not a separate conversation. This is already tied to the wellness aspects and the human productivity aspects that we're already thinking about in real estate. Um, this is an, a slide from the CDC, who them and the World Health Organization and other leading health authorities um, have said that climate change is the greatest threat to human health of the 21st century. So it's not just about the spaces for people when they're in them. It's also how does creating those spaces contribute to climate change and then affect how those people arrive to the spaces that we're designing. So this is all linked. We have not a lot of time to go into this, but um, just a quick example. Um, my mom and grandma have been um, diagnosed with Lyme disease. Um, too late for antibiotic intervention therapy. And that is going to increase because as we have longer, warmer seasons, insects have more of an opportunity to breed, which means there's more of them, which means there's more possibility of infection of people. That's just one example. Um, even if you haven't been you know, wiped out by a hurricane or had a wildfire um, affect you or some of the things that I don't come as close to in my home in Philadelphia, um, but there are other health impacts that certainly do affect us every day. Um, so how do we measure 
This is a, um, one of my favorite, this was done by um, a woman named Kirsten Ritchie at Gensler. And her baseline scenario was just looking at a past project where she had a bill of materials and used these, you might have heard of EPDs, environmental product declarations. Yeah, no one reads them. Okay, it's time to start actually reading or using the information that's in the disclosure documents that we've been asking for for a decade. Um, some categories, product categories, are way more built out than others, I will admit. Um, but my category, for example, flooring, has tons of this data, but nobody's using it. So what she did is take the cradle to gate, that red circle that just circled in the life cycle, and see what is the carbon footprint of the carpet, the steel, the glass, the wallboard that was used on this project. Then on the next project, see how can I reduce that? And this is actually, you know, we don't get numbers like 43% that often in terms of carbon savings in real estate anymore. Even if you're upgrading mechanical systems, you're sometimes doing it for 10 or 20% reduction. Um, this is one of those things where there's so much low hanging fruit because no one is measuring it that don't be surprised if you see a 43% reduction. Additionally, once you know this information, you don't unknow it, right? So when you go to the next project, you don't need to be like, well, it's now seven days later. What drywall will be lower today? That information sticks in your head. So I highly recommend um, kind of divvying out material categories amongst friends, maybe with beer and wine. And somebody can be an expert in that material category. Everybody doesn't have to know everything. So try and make it fun either within um, or outside of your organization and expect to see um, you know, savings like this. Has anyone heard of the EC3 tool yet? The Embodied Carbon in Construction Calculator. All right, we have one. I need to hang out with you because you have a lot of excitement around embodied carbon, I can tell. <laughs> um, so EC3, again, Embodied Carbon in Construction Calculator. I just noticed the building transparency is spelled wrong. But down here, buildingtransparency.org, um, you can go and access the tool for free. Literally, you can't pay for a better level of access to the tool. Everybody gets free access. And what this is doing is taking the material categories you see on the left there. These are the categories that are in the tool and used on this project. And um, the top, if I can walk over here. So up here is the um, conservative threshold for carpet. This is what is specified for the project, the blue line. And then down at the bottom is net zero embodied carbon for that category. The target is always going to default to what the target is for the overall project reduction, which in this case is 50%. So you can see um, for this one, they were able to find a carpet that overshot that 50% reduction. Ceiling panel, they were able to overshoot. Uh, Lake Age Steel, they actually weren't able to find something for whatever reason, price availability, all kinds of stuff. Um, but that's okay because it was overshot in these categories. So as this all rolls up, you now have a third-party verified reduction because these are based on third-party verified EPDs. If everything specified makes it on the project, you can, um, this project will realize a 59% reduction, which is 9% um, more than the target for the project. Obviously, the goal is net zero embodied carbon or even carbon storing, but this is a place to start. And again, these numbers are big numbers that are exciting. 
So even if you don't um, have a client or you yourself um, don't go for a lead certification or you know, zero carbon certification, whatever it might be, you can still have a measurable story to share and tie back to that impact on human health from reduction in embodied carbon. So it, can, it kind of allows every project to have this um, sustainability story. And then my last slide here is, um, if you're interested in this, I highly recommend um, the new carbon architecture. It came out about three years ago. And even if you're not a, you know, an architect, if you're just, we're all in the building industry, um, the first chapter is a great education on embodied carbon. And the rest of the book is really dedicated to understanding materials that naturally store carbon. Just so you can kind of um, have some context as you're learning about new materials, you'll kind of inherently know like, this is probably oil-based because it's all man-made, so is there recycled content or not? This all seems natural, um, so it's probably low in embodied carbon as long as they haven't ruined it with treatments and things like that. And then there's also um, a group of us that are part of the Materials Carbon Action Network. Um, manufacturers, also uh, GC Skanska, um, Gensler Design Firm, and JLL is actually involved on the Owners Ken side, the Owners Carbon Action Network, where there's a lot of the Seattle-based firms, um, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, others, um, but then also GSA, um, also Daniels, which is a multifamily developer in Toronto. It really shows that this topic is spanning a lot more than just the tech companies, which I think is really important. So anything that I missed, Jess? No, okay, I think we can take any questions. I think we're right on time, amazingly. Any questions or comments? Is this your first time you heard about embodied carbon? No. <laughs> Are you super excited? Good. So we'll be doing tattoos right over there um, if you think you're ready for that. Yes. Don't build new. Yes. Yep. Percentage-wise, oh, easily the 50 to 75% for adaptive reuse. Yeah, the thing that EC3 tool is good for is if you're using new materials. Right. Right. But if you're reusing a building, then I recommend doing a tree diagram and taking credit. In fact, we have a case study together. JLL was uh, the sustainability consultant for our headquarters. And um, that take credit for that reuse because you're not using new concrete, you're not using new steel. So the reduction is significant. May I borrow that? Yes. So, sorry. Thanks for sharing. Oh, that was loud. Um, one thing to notice is actually a lot of the, the organizations now, the USGBCs, the LEED certifications, there's actually new things coming out now where they want to actually incorporate embodied carbon quite a bit more. So there are ways in which you can actually, you actually can get points for each one of these areas. So as an example of this, in either LEED CI or LEED for new construction, there are a number of credits that are available just for reuse, but then there's also additional credits that can be utilized if you actually use software that can actually help you measure. So if you're looking for a LEED certification, this can be an important aspect of it. Um, but it, the, your question about sort of the idea that not creating new is incredibly important. And at the end of the day, the real topic here is just talk about it. Talk about the fact that this, you know, this is 
that exists that it needs to be a part of our additional conversations going forward and that we need to just start measuring it. Yeah. That's actually why I got really passionate about this is because there's so much focus on concrete and steel. Um, but that doesn't mean that the tenant fit out doesn't matter. In fact, over time, LMN here locally did a study. And over time, it's actually the finishes that lead up to more embodied carbon than the structure because of how often we scrape those in these short leases and you know hotels. I mean, you name it. So really, it all matters. Um, and but. Don't get overwhelmed either. Start with the the hot spots for corn shell envelope, you know, and um, interiors. Anybody else? All right. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. Enjoy. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org slash content to submit your idea.